on the Zeus Radio Network for Hear Women Talk. Welcome to the show today. We have a very special guest from Texas, an expert in sexual child sexual exploitation and human trafficking. Um, just briefly, I want to point you toward her website, millionkids.org. And from that website, I found some interesting information that Every 26 seconds, another child is forced to become a sex worker or someone's labor slave. And it, it's, it's crazy to imagine in this day that that kind of stuff happens on that scale. Um, Dottie Laster is, is, also has a website, lasterglobal.com. And you can go to that to find her and ask her questions at any time. I'm a probation, a private investigator and have been for 24 years and I have never investigated anything on the scale nearly that Dottie has. I've had some missing per- person cases and have worked those, sometimes with the police, sometimes with the families of the missing person. And some of those have been successful and had good outcomes, and some resulted in finding out the person was deceased. But Dottie's worked on a a worldwide scale in this particular field and and trains police officers to know how to recognize and how to deal with the victims and also how to investigate these crimes. Just a little bit about her. Dottie began working on human trafficking while earning her master's degree at St. Mary's University in San Antonio, Texas. She studied arbitration at the International Chamber of Commerce in Paris, France, and mediation at Central European University in Budapest, Hungary. She worked for YMCA International, where she was appointed an original member of the U.S. Attorney's Human Trafficking Rescue force and she's helped train over 5,000 police officers and worked directly with adult and child victims. She was selected by the U.S. Attorney's Office to be certified by the Department of Justice to train law enforcement and other uh, department professionals and Department of Justice professionals. She's a public speaker and her company trains organizations on the issues of human trafficking and provides consulting to businesses, investigators, attorneys, and organizations that serve victims of trafficking and prosecute traffickers. Dottie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me and, and thanks for uh, highlighting this issue. Is one of the things that we need the most of is more public awareness. So I really appreciate the opportunity. I agree. And I, I, like I said, I had no idea that that things were happening on this level so I'm I'm happy to talk with you about it to to highlight your website and what you do and get people more involved in in knowing that this is going on and how to spot it and how to report it um, also want to give our listeners a phone number they can call in and ask questions 646 652 2071 646 652 Dottie, tell us briefly about your experience and how you got involved in this and and, uh, how it all started. Well, um, it started when I was at school and I was getting my master's degree in international relations and we hosted a speaker from the State Department who was talking about the new laws associated with protecting victims of trafficking. And so I knew immediately that that is what I wanted to do. And so from that moment, I was fortunate. A wonderful professor gave me her seat at a meeting the next day after the speaker appeared, which was a meeting with the chiefs of police, immigration and customs enforcement, all these leaders from our community. And there I was, a student sitting at the table working with them. And uh, I realized at that moment I had what no one else had, which was my day was free to do with what I wanted. And I began immediately hosting trainings, building coordination and collaboration, because in those days there was no funding and absolutely no person tasked to do this full-time. And I've been doing it full-time ever since. And how long have you been a private investigator? Um, I'm not an investigator, but I train law enforcement and collaborate on the cases. Um, in helping the victims, I actually have to be um, for uh, in, in many of my roles as a victim service provider. I have to help through using investigators and collaborating with our our members on flip justice and and um, groups like that. Because if there's not someone to prosecute, 
there is no one that's going to do an investigation for the victim. And sometimes the victims need proof that this has happened to them in order to get services and immigration relief. So that's how I got into the investigation world is uh, I needed help and I found a good team and for several years now we've been collaborating and um, it, it worked both ways because the investigators then found they were working on cases that mm -hmm. were trafficking and they hadn't known or you know it doesn't always come up with a big sign saying I'm a trafficking case so then I found myself working on missing persons cases um, parent um, divorce cases, uh, parental dispute cases, and uh, so I got sucked into their world as much as they got sucked into mine. Yeah, so so you are used on many occasions as an expert in this field, correct? Absolutely. My main role, um, especially if I'm dealing with legal cases, is I'll come in and, and uh, give a um, overview assessment or, or my thoughts on a case as an expert in trafficking, and then... Um, also, I was lately, especially the last several months, I guess um, for some reason these particular family cases have been coming my way in a cluster, and my letters in support of a, a position on a case have been viewed as expert opinion and, and have actually been very helpful. And uh, so my goal, if you were to sum up what I do, is I help victims of trafficking, and I do my darndest to disrupt traffickers. So whatever it takes to do that. <laughs> okay, um, okay. But, uh, you know, my goal is to make it harder for trafficking organizations to benefit from our children, to exploit them and to have access to them, and then also to protect these victims. You know, it, it sounds so ludicrous as we're speaking now, but most of my time is, be, is spent getting victims out of jail. It's mm -hmm. so often the wrong person is arrested. And it's because of the lack of public awareness, which is so great that we're able to be on your show and, and really um, get time to explain what trafficking is, what it looks like, and to make sure that you know the whole community understands when the victim's arrested as opposed to when the trafficker is. Yeah. So um, on my chat line here, I had a listener write in and ask, why would victims be in jail? And so explain that, because I know that... If there's a, a prostitution, uh, a brothel, a prostitution ring, or something, the 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 girls are the ones that are often arrested, and sometimes they get to the pimp, and sometimes they don't. So explain why victims would be in jail. Okay, yeah, um, very good point. Is absolutely when you're dealing with prostitution, the people that that sell others and the people that buy others always always have a choice to do that. You can just count on that that they do. They, they they go into this on their own free will. The prostituted people do not. And quite often those are the ones that are arrested, are, are arrested and charged. And I'll give you a quick case example. Uh, here in Texas, there was a 13-year-old mentally retarded girl arrested for prostitution. The case wound up going before the Texas Supreme Court. Now, you have to imagine this as a 13-year-old girl that was in the company of a 32-year-old man that police identified as her boyfriend. Her story came out. She'd had abortions. Um, she had been sexually abused as a child, so she was um, in a foster care system which she fled. This, this child had every, every red flag of someone that needs help and rather than getting help, she was arrested and charged. The prosecutors in the case carried this case to court, through appeals, and on to the Texas Supreme Court. So you can, three years this child has been dragged through the court system. She was arrested. The 32-year-old man was never even interviewed. No one else surrounding the case was interviewed. She took the whole brunt of this case. And the Supreme Court just overturned the conviction so it took three years amazing attorneys who, who must have done this with no money um, and you know be willing to go all the way to the US Supreme Court if needed all that to protect this child who should have never been charged she's 13 she's mentally disabled now that doesn't seem like we'd have to talk about this it should be intuitive but it was not 
and, and I think that's why that's why you being a trainer like you are is so important. So law enforcement will recognize these things. I had another listener ask to explain trafficking and for people who don't know what it is. And even even in my knowledge of it, I looked at it as something that occurred on a large scale that you were bringing loads of women into this country and they were in uh, being forced into servitude or prostitution or other things and trafficking really isn't necessarily on a broad scale it can be one person it can be uh, on a on a single case so explain to the listeners what trafficking is okay great it's anyone held in service of another through force psycho uh, fraud or psychological coercion so what that means is it can be um, someone who's a housekeeper and they're told, if you leave here or you don't do what I say, I'll hurt your family. Or if you don't do what I say, I'll have you deported. Um, it can be any minor, absolutely any minor, doesn't matter where they're from, could be a U.S. citizen in commercial sex. And commercial sex is stripping pornography or prostitution and it's also if anything of value is traded for sex so an example could be um, some of these cases maybe even involving these larger religious groups and they say oh we're going to marry the younger children well they also may be trading hierarchy within that you know you, you we're trading favors for this child that would qualify and I don't see it charged often but I hope it will be in the future the other thing could be a mom trading drugs for sex with their daughter um, it could be trading rent for sex with someone who you have control over maybe a disabled person um, maybe uh, even a son so it's anything exchange of value makes it commercial sex and it's and the victim can be anyone held in service of another through force, fraud, or coercion. And the coercion can be very subtle. The last person who left, we killed. Even if they never killed anyone, that makes that person compliant. And it's a scheme or pattern used to make that person do, um, to provide slave labor. It's basically slavery. Mm -hmm. And uh, unfortunately, when they passed the laws, they started with the word trafficking because they were they were matching laws in existence throughout the world and since many countries in the world have been source countries they kind of understood this in the united states we're just waking up to this because we were told slavery was over in the mid you know eighteen hundreds and so our consciousness our social awareness is a bit behind in fact slavery never ended it did become illegal that it did morph into what we have now, which is what we're calling human trafficking, which really is slavery, modern slavery. Um, w one of the listeners asked a question on the chat line as to how would you be contacted, for instance, the 13-year-old girl in jail, how were you contacted to get involved in this case? Who, who did that and who knew to call you? Um, actually, I read about the case, and, and my work um, goes two ways. Sometimes I'm proactive on a case, as I was in this one, and I actually was not a part of the case, but what I did is write about it, um, write about it in hopes of getting word out there that this is not a normal case and that um, it should not, this child should not have been charged. And so I was able to be published in the the Houston Chronicle. I called some other writers that I know. They wrote articles about it. So um, that's one way anyone out there can do this. If you see a case of a child in commercial sex and the child's been charged, please speak up. Write your opinion, you know, section of your paper. Call whoever is charging them, which I did. <laughs> I called their mm -hmm. office mm -hmm. and uh, introduced myself. And, and uh, you know, I... I didn't call in a disrespectful way, but I called in a very firm way that I will continue to write about this. Um, you need to rethink this. Um, the other way is maybe I'm approached from someone who has a case like this. Um, and I did speak with her attorneys, and they were very grateful to have community support, as I do believe they had been handling this case um, very quietly, and, and few people knew about it. 
Yeah. Um, we're so, we're going to have to... Okay. Well, I was just going to say, we're going to have to take a break. When we come back, I want to... Uh, if you know, I want to talk a little bit about where the 13-year-old girl is now and how she's doing. And also, I want to go into more detail about child sexual exploitation and, and other issues. So we'll be back in just a minute. This is the Zeus Radio Network for Hear Women Talk, and you're listening to The Vicki Child Show. We'll be right back. And our special guest today is Dottie Laster, who is an expert in the area of human trafficking and, and child exploitation. Dottie, before the break, we were talking about the 13-year-old that you wrote letters about and, and contacted prosecutors about, and eventually her case was overturned and she was free. Do you know what happened to her and where she is now? You know, I, I do not. I know her lawyers probably still have some work to do. And um, the sad thing is, is there is not specialized places for children that have been trafficked. Um, and that's something we really need throughout the nation. There's a few um, that are trying to get started that are basically working with private funding. But we really need to address this population. They um, have specific needs for specific recovery and they need a staff that understands their particular um, history of trauma, not just a traumatic event, but a long history of trauma. You know, I um, I wanted to talk briefly about the, the Jesse Dugard case out in California and how at 11 years old she was kidnapped. And for 18 years she was forced to live with this man who repeatedly raped her. And then she had two of his children and or two children by him. And his wife was living in the house, too. This, this, as a woman, as a mother, I absolutely cannot understand, and I'm appalled by it. But when I think of human trafficking, I think of third-world countries and all that kind of stuff going on in other places. But, but you say it's actually quite prevalent in the United States, and, and this exploitation of children is quite prevalent. And I want you to touch briefly on how how kids are brought into this either as very small children or teenagers and and then we'll hit on the Dugard case and talk about that a little bit okay yes I think parents um, any adult in our society needs to really understand that when when people that are involved in trafficking see children they see dollar signs they um, look at your kid and see hundreds of thousands of dollars and so they will be very creative very very they will they will infiltrate communities with the purpose of getting these children where they can exploit them. Now, everyone is definitely prepared and understands the individual um, predator on children, but I would like you to picture that, but understand that this is commercialized, and they're preying on children commercially, and, and then get that picture and understand how you need to look at everything around your kid and protect them and to inform your children. Um, a couple of cases I've worked on, I'll, I'll just brief, um, well, actually I've had a part um, in a distance in these two cases, but they're perfect examples. One is a man who befriended a waitress where he worked. She had a five-year-old and a ten-month-old. And through a series of seduction and dating and, and uh, you know, winning her trust but also taking her into a very dark world, he got her to agree to sell sex acts with her five-year-old and with the 10-month-old. They were charged and convicted. Luckily, be, they had made the agreement with an undercover informant. Had it been a regular person out there, this child would have been raped and they had planned to video it. So this man was dating a woman with the whole target of getting to her children. Mm-hmm. And it happens a lot. I wish I actually wrote an article about it, and I said this is shocking but not rare. And uh, when it was on the news, people thought it was just a freak thing that happened. And again, with our societal aware- awareness, we need to understand it's not unusual and it's a pattern. It's a scheme. It's organized, and it's extremely lucrative. And who's um, the best target for this? Uh, you mentioned she was a waitress. Is it somebody who is has limited means of support and or may have a drug habit or may 
have nobody else to turn to and 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 makes very little little money and this person comes in and is the white knight and buys her things and has a a, a nice car and a decent home or whatever is that who is it who is targeted mostly in that you're absolutely correct um they they are looking for some in some weakness something that they can be the answer to something that they can exploit you can imagine a 25 year old woman with two children working as a waitress is probably stressed on many levels um obviously he found out if i say i'm interested in you i i I assume they shared some exchanges of love um and then boom he's in the children are at his mercy and um they're very good they know so much more about manipulation and psychological coercion um you know when when we're working these cases i get to learn both sides of our our minds we are very susceptible to certain um schemes and patterns um again the seduction that he probably used to win her over then all of a sudden when her when her guard is dropped he can do anything and uh, it's it's no excuse on the mom's side but it is possible and when someone is stressed it's more likely now on the kids side they're looking for let's say on the on the the case that we talked about earlier the 13 year old she's already vulnerable she's been taken away from her parents she's in foster care which can be good but sometimes it's not uh i'm pretty sure that this guy had a scheme or a pattern which put him in front of her and she's just trying to survive it was probably very easy extremely mm-hmm. easy and uh, uh, how he, about runaways and and kids that are sort of in broken homes where there's a lot of trouble or abuse or alcoholism or or drug addiction and and talk about how they're vulnerable too they really are and you can get the picture of um someone you know someone lurking around parks and malls and bus stops you know places where displaced kids may may gather where they may be seen and they really know how to see that kid that's carrying around some hurt um they 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 can I can see it now too when I first started this I didn't see it but now I can see we carry ourselves differently we we react differently so um when we're injured or when we're we're dealing with something very difficult and so they'll approach that person and it'll be very very wonderful very casual maybe even like it's meant to be like they happened to bump into this person when actually they'd been watching them Mm-hmm. And um then they'll um well one of the the hardest cases is when I, I call them the Romeo pimps and they will seduce them into love not not sex but love where they go oh it's meant to be it was in the stars I love you we'll have this life together and as soon as they can get them away from wherever they are maybe it's just to where they've they've uh, distanced them from any social ties maybe family or or some friends that they had, they'll start to divide them. And they'll start to say, well, they don't care about you like I do. And then they've got them. And then they've got them where there's no way out. And then, only then will they know, now here's the deal. You're going to prostitute for me. I'm going to beat you if you don't. Here's your so they've lured, they've lured them in. They get them where they have to be, where they're totally dependent on on them for support, for money, for food, for anything. And... Yeah distract them from their their family or school or friends or anything that's stable in their life or even maybe not so stable but at least familiar and then they they get them into this lifestyle and like you said it's all about the money it's a commercial industry and that that is what is one thing that's so appalling to me is that for them they don't care anything about the human sacrifice that's going on here no. and and torture Maybe. really uh, emotional torture and, and physical torture, they care about the money it's going to bring into them, whether it's yes. this person or, or a number of children or uh, even smaller children that are groomed from a young age up to do these things. And Jesse Dugard was kidnapped at age 11 and for 18 years was living with this man and his wife and this man who was on parole in his house and having his children and explain how that happens and is that trafficking is that or is that just a pedophile 
rapist gone awry. What is that? How would you describe that? Well, in that case, it would meet the definition of trafficking. Um, he held her through psychological coercion, um, probably, I'm sure forced in the beginning, then psychological coercion, and she was at his service, not just for the sex, but in his home as a domestic servant uh, working in his business. So absolutely meets the definition under the Trafficking Victims Protection Act. And again, it's a good example. He didn't have to take her to another country or even across state lines, but it does meet the definition. Uh, I do believe, if I remember correctly, from the stories through, um, there was other people that had sex with her too, and if, if that was traded for value, then again, it meets the definition again, any minor um, that or anyone held against their will or a minor where commercial sex is exchanged. So, and at some point, um, I'm sure he used the children. He probably used the children at some point to say, you can leave if you want to, but i got the kids. And she probably was forced to stay in order to take care of her children at some point. Yes, that's used by so many. It's it's very common, and it works every time. It's mm-hmm. very difficult to get someone to leave. And I, I think in the beginning, if I remember the news correctly, many people were just perplexed. They go, well, I spoke to her on the phone. She handled the printing business. She mm-hmm. could have left. I really hope the public understands it's not that easy. Um, we, we would all wish that she would run screaming out the door, but as you say, there's the kids, there's years that he has groomed and um, it's, it's uh, beaten down the will to be able to leave. So therefore, it's stronger than if he locked her in a cage um, with a lock around, or a chain around her leg because she can be anywhere and he knows she won't leave. And this is not an accident and it's not the victim's fault. It is what works. And on, a, on some occasions, deputies had responded to that house, parole agents had gone to that house and never checked that backyard, never went beyond what he told them, the lies that he told them to get, them, to get the cops and the parole agents to leave or believe his story or anything else. And I think it's horribly sad. But she has just settled for $20 million with the state of California. I was reading an article this morning that said, over the over the years, it would take millions in counseling for her and her daughters to try to get through this. We're up against a break, but we're going to be right back with Dottie Laster, and we'll take your questions and your calls. Calls at 646-652-2071. This is the Vicki Child Show on the Zeus Radio Network for Hear Women Talk, and we'll be right back. Answers. Our guest today is Dottie Laster. We're talking about human trafficking and child sexual exploitation. Dottie, during the break, you brought up a, a point about the Dugard case you wanted to make. Yes. Um, when we train law enforcement on this issue, and, and um, one of the key things that we, we say is to interview everyone separately. And if someone says, that's my niece or my cousin, um, that's really a red flag, and the traffickers use that as probably happened in this case to where the, the officer checking said, oh, oh, well, they're related, it's okay. And uh, I train them, no, when someone starts saying that, I, I hate to tell you, but that's probably a big red flag. And it's really important to um, make the, the person you suspect could be trafficked feel very, very safe. And that doesn't mean they're locked in a room. I mean, we go through a long time of how to interview and how to investigate trafficking cases. And these trafficking cases are different than any other crime. And yet, just as you had said, Vicki, a lot of times what's missed is just back to basic law enforcement, not believing what the target man told them, that this is my niece. You can check that out. Um, the other, you, you, you have to do thorough investigations because the victims cannot tell you they really cannot tell you I've been trafficked. It's up to us outside the situation to identify them. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. And it, it would have taken a few simple steps. And having been a probation officer and, and gone to people's houses and asked them questions and looked around, probation and parole officers usually have a very broad ability to go in and do warrantless searches, to go in and, and 
do look arounds, to go in the backyard, to go in any room in the house. And they don't have, in most cases, don't have to have a warrant to do it because that person is on parole or probation and they consented to that as a part of the agreement for that parole or probation. So I, I do find that it would have taken very little for these people to go in that house and, and do something that they should have done. Um, Dottie, we have a caller, Kelly, who wants to ask you some questions. Kelly, are you on the line? I am. Okay, go ahead. Hi, Kelly. Hi there. I'm Kelly, and I am in South Carolina, and we started a, a coalition here in our state called the Eastern Carolina Coalition Against Human Trafficking. And uh, we've been in existence for just a couple years now, and it's uh, strictly a volunteer group. But one of the things that I was wanted to ask is something that we're running into as a problem in trying to make people aware of human trafficking and how it manifests itself is, for one thing, is the outdated views about women and and the fact that they like being treated that way sometimes. And also the other uh, problem we have is a lot of people view it as an immigration issue. And I wondered how you overcome that or how you deal with that. Those are two excellent questions. And I developed task forces in, in Houston, Texas, and also in Orange County, California. Um, you know, different worlds apart, but yet I have the same problems. So I would say you're doing it right. <laughs> the fact that you have these problems means you are doing something. And... Um, um, a lot of what I train on is how to do this because you're right, you will run up against these walls that stop the victims from being rescued and the traffickers from being prosecuted. And um, the immigration problem I, I dealt with very, um, uh, probably in every city. Um, well, I developed task forces in two cities. I worked on coalition in a total of six cities. And that immigration issue comes up very strongly no matter where I was. Um, is your city that you're dealing with or the, the groups of cities, what is their policy on immigration? Is it that they can ask for documents or not? I, I believe that they can in, in our state. Um, we started actually in the Myrtle Beach area, but uh, we've been working with the U.S. Attorney's Office as well, uh, as well as the FBI and ICE and so forth. And uh, we've actually been asked to expand our coalition to cover the entire state, which we're in the process of trying to do right now. Um, and I think it's great that you're doing the show because the fact that most victims, as you pointed out earlier, don't self-identify, uh, the public awareness is so important uh, to get this out there and to make people aware that it is going on in our in our own country. Um. On the um, on the immigration side, I when I train um, the police departments, I would do roll call briefings all the way up to all day trainings. And a couple of the key points, uh, just briefly, I can give you that are important is one, making sure they understand it's slavery, that it doesn't have to include smuggling as part of the crime, although it can, but it gets them focused in understanding the crime when you can let them know that this crime may have immigrants, but it also has U.S. citizens. Um, and then we're not talking about smuggling, we're talking about trafficking. The other thing is I repeat over and over and over that any minor in commercial sex is automatically a victim. No frost, force, fraud, or coercion need be shown. Again, taking it back to crimes they understand and comparing it and showing them you could charge sexual assault of a child or you could charge trafficking, whatever you want to do, but we need to get that kid out of the situation and safe. Um, so just briefly, those are two suggestions. You're welcome to contact me offline, and, and we can probably talk further about it. I, I appreciate the work you're doing there. You, it's not easy, and especially on a volunteer basis. Um, I really commend your organization. Thank you. Thank you. And anyone can reach Dottie at Laster, L-A-S-T-E-R, global, G-L-O-B-A-L dot com. Correct, Dottie? Uh, yes. And you can go to millionkids.org and learn more about her work and make contributions to millionkids.org. And there's also a link on there that, that has a lot of other organizations and government agencies that deal with human trafficking, and you can learn more there as well. So, Dottie, back to... 
kids, one of the things I want parents to understand and, and maybe recognize is now that in this age of Internet with texting, with um, Facebook, with MySpace, with all the things that go on the Internet, how are kids targeted on there? That is an excellent question. And parents do need to be involved in all the communications their kids have. A case here out of Texas, a very nice neighborhood, a teenage girl. This particular case, there wasn't the breakdown around her. She was strong, um, which may be why we know about her. She did eventually escape, but she was targeted through texting from a man posing as a high school athlete. And um, she had done everything correctly. She did arrange to meet with him at a high school event where she was competing, and he should have been also. Well, it turned out this was not a high school-age person. It was a grown man who was a pimp, and he literally kidnapped her from the high school. It took six months for her to escape, and when she escaped and fled, um, a very wonderful organization that I trained a few years ago was there and helped her, relocated her parents, did everything, reported the crime, got her safe, yet when she saw his picture on a closed-circuit TV, meaning the pimp, she went into extreme psychological breakdown for three days just from seeing his picture in a lineup on a TV screen where she was safe states away from him. So I, I use this example to say you do not want anyone to go through what it takes to break them down and force them into prostitution. It's not pretty woman. It is the scariest thing on earth, scarier than any Stephen King movie. And these guys have financial motive to target kids. And they target them because they can sell them 24-7 every day. I've had clients that have prostituted as many as 40 victims. I mean, they've had 40 I don't know the right word for them. People understand John's is the name for them. That's mm-hmm. 40 rapes a day. 40 rapes a day every day. The smallest number I've had a, a victim that told me about was six. Six rapes a day, seven days a week. So when I say it's a financial motive, I can't even put a figure to how much it is. I know my one client that was an adult woman, and I figured her at the low end of six, that was well over $200,000 a year clear that they made just off of her. Mm-hmm. And they had a, multiple locations with multiple women in them. So so as parents, kids, Dottie, uh-huh. what, what can we do? Uh, one, of our, one of our listeners chatted and asked, what can we do as parents to protect our kids? And I'm assuming it's mostly girls, but boys too. What can we do to protect them from, from these kinds of people? I think really important is to speak with them and let them know that this occurs in the United States and it occurs in their peer group and that they should be aware that people may be, um, that, that, that they may be targeted and manipulated by these people. The kids at this age, it's part of our learning, we think we're invincible when, when we were that young. We all did. And we think it's not going to happen to us. And we haven't had life experience to get that critical eye about new acquaintances and to say, this guy may be being nice to me because he wants something for me. And parents need to have a discussion with their kids to say, when you have a new acquaintance, he's not going to look like a scary monster. He And, and women, too. He or she are going to sound like your best friend. They're going to give you the answer to whatever you need. You need to be suspect of that. And then the second part of that conversation is, I don't care what has happened to you, you need to to get away and escape. When when a child has been arrested multiple times for prostitution, they don't believe anyone's going to believe her. And parents need to understand and tell their kids, I don't care if the police don't get it, it's never okay, ever, not once. Is it okay? Because a lot of times the shame... Then after they've been forced into this, the shame keeps them there. And you need mm-hmm. to let your kids know. So if, if kids are online. This to you, you can tell me, anyone, you Absolutely. reach out. Don't you stay there. Absolutely. And, and if kids are online and they get approached online by someone 
that's asking them too many questions or if their if their Facebook is too open, their profile is too open. Um, if they're hanging out at malls, which, which is where some of these folks hang out looking for victims, if they and not just malls but other other public places, parks and probably uh, amusement parks and places like that as well. If if they are approached by anyone who offers them anything, uh, then then they should immediately remove themselves from the situation and maybe tell somebody, tell an adult. Yes, please tell adults because um, that is really the key. We need to make our community hostile to these 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 uh, purveyors of our children and very, very safe for the victims that they target. And that's the only way we're going to win on this. Um, the the kids need to understand when someone comes up and maybe they're introduced by someone they know and all of a sudden they're really interested and they start to tell them wonderful things and flash money and and seduce them with whatever. They need to be suspect of that, not sucked into that. Okay. Dottie, we've got to take a break, and when we come back, I want to talk some more about how you report these things and maybe the DOJ hotline and other things. Well, we'll be right back on the Zeus Radio Network, and this is the Vicki Child Show. Dottie, during the break, we had a question from a online chat that said, asked, is there an integrated nationwide database network of human trafficking cases, including those which are monitored and acted upon by local, state, and federal law enforcement? Is there a place where you can go and read about these different cases? Well, there is a case, there is a database for law enforcement, but it's only open to law enforcement. Um, there are new um, groups uh, getting started now. I know one I spoke with is starting a database um, where they can track these perpetrators. And so I would say folks are stepping up to the plate, but we're not quite there yet as we would be on other crimes that, you know, have, have been addressed longer. Well, hopefully um, that will be, that will come online so that people will have more information. If Because if, if only law enforcement can access the other, it doesn't help us very much. Um, yeah. If they go to my website and click on media... Um, I think it says media and films. There's a list of a bunch of cases I've worked on where I've either written about or they've been in the news. And those are good case examples where they can read and start to understand these crimes. Okay, and that's LasterGlobal.com, correct? Yes. Uh, one of our listeners also wanted to know if there are school programs that are put on that deal with this and teach the children what to be aware of and and, and what to look out for. Um, the only one that I'm aware of, well, I guess I could give you two options. The one that I'm aware of that um, that travels to high schools and talks about slavery is the Frederick Douglass Family Foundation. Their website is FDFF, just like their name, Frederick Douglass Family Foundation, FDFF.org. And um, they travel to schools and present high school students with inf- uh, a presentation on historical slavery and modern slavery. And uh, it was uh, so great to meet them. The, the founder of that organization is actually a direct descendant of Frederick Douglass. And Frederick Douglass, I have a picture of him sitting over my desk, and I quote him quite often. So when I met his direct descendant, it was one of the most wonderful days of my career. Um, so anyhow, when you do this good work, you never know the payback is going to be. You, you couldn't write it down and say, I would hope to meet a descendant of Frederick Douglass. <laughs> yeah, when you do, you're like, yes, that is exactly what I wanted. <laughs> exactly, and it's, and it's great. And I'm glad that that organization existed as well and that our listeners now know about it. Also, there are some hotlines, to, uh, maybe uh, law enforcement DOJ hotlines. Talk about those. Yes, the D- Department of Justice hotline is 8 to 5. Monday through Friday, and it's directly to law enforcement. Now, it's a bit of a slow trickle down, but if you need to report a case and you're not sure what jurisdiction to get it to, this number is 888-428-7581. Again, that's 888-428-7581. And then there's a second hotline that's nationwide. If you um, need information about victim services, information about trafficking, or you're trying to 
help a victim, that number is 888-3737-888. Okay. And you mentioned before when you and I had talked earlier that it's also possible to for groups to host you as a speaker to come to become have you come and, and inform them about what you do and and how they can be of assistance. So um, again, her website is lasterglobal.com, and you can contact Dottie there. It, how how much is this particular crime growing, Dottie? How how fast is it growing? Human trafficking. Well, according to the Department of Justice, human trafficking is the, the fastest growing crime in the world, and it's second in scope only to the sale in illegal drugs. Um, we are behind the curve on this. It was there in existence growing prolifically before we passed the laws in 2000 to begin combating it. We've had laws for 10 years now, and every year the prosecutions have gone up by hundreds of percent. So it's not that it wasn't there. It's not that we're getting ahead of it. It's that we're just at the tip of the iceberg on this. And um, I'm in a little town of 58,000, very historical German um, uh, uh, immigrants founded it, and it stayed very much the same throughout its history. I found three cases in my town, and I wasn't trying to find them. I mean, they literally hit me right in the face. So that tells me even more than I knew, it's everywhere. I mean, mm-hmm. if it's in our little rural town, and if it's it's across every state in the United States and every country in the world, anyone listening to us, if they turn around and look, they're going to see it. It's there yeah. in your communities. And and I think it's a it's a shame going back to what you talked about earlier that often the victims are the ones that are arrested and put in jail and prosecuted and we talked about the 13 year old girl is it is it true that some of these people that are arrested and put in jail might also be people with expired visas or they might be picked up on an immigration violation when and and tell their story and nobody believes them does that happen Yes, it does. Um, I've got a, a couple of clients. One now is still in detention. She's been there a year because she didn't have identification. And when I look at all the police she passed through who should have been trained, they were writing down all the indicators of trafficking and never recognized her as a victim of trafficking. So we're working now to get her out. Um, we will get her a TV set. It's in process. And um, did you see the movie really Taken, Dottie? Did you see the movie Taken with? Uh, yes. It, it, and I saw that movie too, and, and I'm sure it was a fictionalized account of what actually goes on. But scary, scary. Teenage girl goes to to Europe, and you know the good-looking guy at the airport says, "Oh well, I'll give you a ride to where you're going." And the next thing you know, she's kidnapped and, and being sold. Yeah, and I, I, uh, my daughter made me go see that movie. I, I just thought, oh, well, you know, I've seen enough trafficking, but I actually did enjoy it. Um, one, I was a little cathartic because I relate to Liam Neeson's character and would like to do what he did to them. And luckily, there's police involved, so I don't do those things, but I did live vicariously through him and yeah. enjoyed him kicking the mess out of everyone that deserved it. Mm-hmm. Um, I also related to the corruption and stuff in there and how frustrating that was. Uh, I ran into that quite a bit. But what's really telling about that movie, where they nailed it completely, accurately, was the recruiter at the airport who said, let's share a ride, how innocent that looked, mm-hmm. and how heinous that was. He he was in there just to get the money. He gets Sure, and two, two young that. American girls traveling together, traveling alone. Oh, had no a adults. target painted on him. Absolutely. <laughs> and then yep. when they, the way they moved him and sold him, but the most, most important that I hope listeners will take away, when they showed those victims' eyes and the dead look that they have, that's mm-hmm. how we describe the victims. That is exactly what they look like when I meet them. Mm-hmm. They look like those victims, those girls in that movie. They nailed that look, that feel, that desperation, that hopelessness 100%. And I give them credit. Just pat on the back for that because that's what we're talking about. Well, we're we are talking about pretty woman. Exactly, yeah. We are just about out of time. One last thing, Dottie, if you can tell us anything briefly, what can the public do? What can we do or any normal citizen out there do 
to help combat this? Well, absolutely everyone has a role in this, and the first thing your listeners have done is wonderful is to be here listening and learning more about it. What they can do with that is tell their friends. You know, I always ask my tra- you know, people in my trainings, tell 10 more people, please commit to me, you'll tell 10 more people this happens here. If you see a minor in commercial sex in your newspaper that's being charged or not being identified as a victim, please write your opinion uh, section of your paper and explain why that's important that this child be viewed as a victim. Um, call that department that's charging her and say, hey, do you know about the trafficking laws? Um, host a speaker. I would love to come to your community and especially the community that called in the Eastern uh, Carolina Coalition Against Human Trafficking. And um, when you get a group together like that and get some training in there, you can make a difference. And I would just leave you with it's a hard it's 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 definitely sometimes a hard job but it has benefited me in ways that I can't describe to you and uh, my life is full and happy because of it so I I don't want to scare anyone away and say it's too big I can't handle it myself absolutely you can and and you'll have the coolest ride when you get into this like meeting a descendant of Frederick Douglass um, <laughs> or seeing the smile on someone's face that you saved years later one one client I have now, she got her GED, she's going to college, and after a five-year struggle, with one letter that I wrote recently, we have successfully gotten her a TV. So, which the long story, it was just it was it was over, it was denied and denied and denied, and finally, when we explained it correctly, they approved it. So, I can't tell you what that's worth. I mean, a trip to Disneyland wouldn't give me that much joy. <laughs> and I so think I, I think you you're right that. And in my profession, I've had many, many satisfied clients and great cases that left me full and satisfied, and I, I would imagine in your case it's even more so. So, Dottie, thank you so much for being with us today. You can reach Dottie at, at LasterGlobal, L-A-S-T-E-R, global.com. You can reach me at BlazerInvestigative.com if you have any questions. Thanks for joining us today, everyone. This is the Vicki Child Show on the Zeus Radio Network. Please stay tuned for the Jody Lynn Smith Show coming up next. Dottie, thank you so much.